Season 2, Episode 29 of Sass Don't Matter. Week 7 picks are in. To him, your streak of at least 5 correct every week suffers the same fate. Yeah, mine do. Welcome to the club. What's in store mm. for Week 8? Mm. Hopefully you're a little bit better. Maybe you won't pick with your heart this time because I guilted you into doing that as Seahawks pick, and I ain't even mad about it. Uh, in our cups this week is a wet hot pale ale from Kittery, Maine, and Imperial Milk Stout from North Haven, Connecticut. Follow us on Instagram at Stats Matter and Twitter at Stats Podcast for all things sports beer. Find us, Stats Matter Podcast, wherever you get podcasts Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the damn show. Let's go. I think we should just. Start this, you know, whoever has like the the last pick that was wrong, which would have been you from this week. But then you also started this week and you were wrong. So it doesn't really matter. So why don't you go first? You kind of let us know because this was a bad week pick wise for you, buddy. But uh, you know, everyone makes a couple mistakes. So get get this beer on and uh tell us what you're drinking. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, there's some uh, moral gray area here because uh, I did say that they were going to lose, but I had to pick them to kind of throw you a little bit of a bone. Okay, so sure. uh, <clears throat> technically, yes, my uh, my streak of at least five every week has gone down. However, our listeners and you, you know the truth. You know it. <laughs> there's it, it's. It's been recorded. Anyway. Uh, all right. Fantastic so real quick, can art on that, that beer, by the way. Yeah, this one's cool. So it's uh, it's Tox Brewing. And you guys hear us say North Haven a lot. But what ends up happening is 12% Beer Project. I know we've talked about it before. But for anybody who isn't familiar, they do a lot of like contract brewing and brewing from other breweries. And they distribute uh, all over Connecticut. Uh I think it's like Connecticut, New York. There's there's a bunch of places that they distribute to. So you'll hear us keep saying North Haven, but the beer itself is is not actually from North Haven. I'm I can't remember where it's actually from originally. Uh this is just contract brewed from twelve percent beer project. And I know a lot of people kind of scoff a little bit uh at that kind of stuff uh in terms of, of contract brewing. Uh I'm doing a quick Google search here to figure out where they're from, but 12% is one of the best out there that does this. Uh, all right. So they're from new London. So it's not far from there. It's just must be a bigger facility for 12%. But anyway, this is, uh, it's called crude and it's banana fosters. It's an Imperial milk style with bananas, cinnamon, vanilla, and lactose. And this bad boy comes in at a solid 12%. Ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited for it. I've been uh, bouncing around beer styles quite a bit lately. Uh, I have a, a Weller aged, no, a whistle pig, whistle pig, uh, aid barrel aged, amber bock from Harpoon that I picked up this week, and it's just gonna kind of sit and hang out in the in the cellar for a little bit and i got uh backwoods bastard which is a barrel aged ale and it's one of my favorite beers uh it's made by founders but anyway i saw this stout thought i would dive back in a little bit um so let's give it a go right off the bat it smells like caramel and chocolate and a little bit of coffee mixed into it which is 
Very good, actually. It doesn't have that standard brewery smell that we typically describe when we're drinking craft beers and anything above, uh, you know, high life or something like that. But which is everything, because everything that's above a high life, you know, just has to have a well, almost everything. Get some, you know, table wow. beers that's a three percent. So by the description, you would assume that this was super sweet, and it is sweet. Don't get me wrong. It is sweet, but it's not overpowering sweet. And for a 12% beer, I would not even know that this sucker had booze in it. That is no bueno Mm -mm. uh, for the consumer because it genuinely tastes like a a milkshake, (laughs) like a a banana foster milkshake if you put a a little coffee in it, like a little bit of that uh, sort of bitter uh, sort of coffee bean style flavor um but damn just in sipping alone i've drank probably a quarter of this just getting a, a feel for the flavor of it it goes down there's man it's thick too like look at that yep 48 58 yeah like i could probably run my leaf blower off of this prime it a couple um, times. put a quart in yeah there's an interesting thing that that tends to happen, right? Like when you get a triple IPA and you see it, you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be boozy AF." Open it up. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but you get a lot of like booze flavor to go along with it. The sucker is in that same ABV range at twelve percent, and I'm telling you, I cannot taste a like ounce. Like if I really, really focus on like, okay, is there is there booze in here? Like maybe you could pick it up. Otherwise, there is no telling that I, I would have no idea that this was a twelve percent beer. If I was in a bar, or if I was at someone's house and like, oh, I have a stout you should try, and they just poured it to me, I would think that this was probably like a five or six percent stout. I would have like two. I, I probably could do too many of them. It is a little on the sweet, a little bit on the thick side. That lactose really kind of not only brings up that calorie count, but makes it somewhat dense. Um. <clears throat> But I would get shit faced off of this without even realizing it. Oh yeah! It's like oh my god, this is so good. It's like a dessert beer. Eat a eat a eat a big meal or eat a nice meal. And have like two of these. It's legitimately like having four beers for every two of these that you have. You would end up like accidentally shit. You hear people say that all the time. I got accidentally drunk. This beer is why that that would happen. <laughs> um, it is a little sweet. The more I have of it, it is a little sweet. That does kind of bring it down a little bit flavor-wise, though it is amazing. Can art-wise, this is really, really cool. It's like hand-drawn. Uh, and it's like a... It looks like one of those poison arrow dart frogs kind of bouncing around a, like this little whimsical space. And each can is slightly different, which is kind of cool. Like mm. the frog is in like a different location. So I always appreciate when they put that level of effort into it, but um damn if you see this anywhere if you're from connecticut and you find this thing snack it's thick and it's sweet so you'll probably have a four pack and it may last you a little while have one after dinner or whatnot it's not something well not that the weather's cooling outside because the weather sucks right now um i'm gonna give this one a a four one i think if it wasn't quite so sweet it would be much higher up that that scoring list but the sweetness especially as we get I say get further down the can. I've only, I mean, I've only been drinking this thing for three minutes, and I'm already halfway down this glass. Just, <laughs> just getting days in. But the more you, the more you sip it, like you. I mean, the sweetness really kind of stands out. So 
phenomenal. 4-1. Uh, but I'm only having like one or two of these in a sitting. Mm. It's great, though, because if you drink another one of those, and you'll start making some emotional picks as you get a little drunk in your feels later on. Oh so my! Keep God. keep keep it going. Keep it going. All right. I do. I do have my. Uh, I do have a little sidecar here, a little Elijah Craig foolproof oh that uh, our barrel proof that I was going to do instead of beer, but that one was too good to pass up. So too good to pass up. All right. Okay, so I got Hop Harvest from Tributary uh, Brewing Co. out of Kittery, Maine. It's a wet hop pale ale. It has notes of fruit, including red berries and citrus. It's been influenced by locally sourced Comet and Cascade hops, malt backbone, which is derived from Maine-grown mar- malted barley. Um, I I was in Maine this past weekend at a wedding. Congrats, Craig and Julie. Uh, it was a, it was a beautiful time. Um, ended up going to a very very nice place up in Portland, Maine. They're called Navari Res. Um, incredible beer bar. Got some cans to go. This was one of those cans. So you know if it's at Navari. It's going to be good. I won't let that, you know, dictate my judgment too much. But uh, from from the get-go, you probably have a question. You said, hey, like you, we're always hearing dry hopping and stuff. Like, what's the difference between dry hopping and wet hopping? Well, dry hopping is when the beer has already gone through the, the boil process. And what they'll do is they'll pour it over a whole bunch of, you know, fresh hops. So it'll grab the lupulin powder. That's what gives those hazy IPAs their haze. It's actual hop powder that is derived off the, the top of the, the flower cone itself. Wet hopping is completely different. Wet hopping is, because most beers are made with dried hops, such as pellet or cryo-freeze hops, wet hopping is, let's cut the hops right off the right off the vine, let's put them up in a bag, get them on a truck, drive them to the brewery that day, because they start leaking all of that hop oil and stuff, and they can actually you know gain a lot of temperature and then kind of rot pretty quickly. So uh, if you don't dry the hops out, they rot, and the whole thing goes to shit. Um, wet hop beers are very, very hit or miss. They're either done really well, mm-hmm. or they're done super poor because they didn't get the hops in the same day you can taste a little bit of that i don't even know how to describe it that's just tried to, to, to mime it on the back end there so it's like a it's like a bittery oily sort yeah. of organic taste that yep. i'm not it's it's like it's like if you picked up a bag of like wet weed and just stuffed it in your mouth yeah yeah it's, wet weed that like was sitting on your neighbor's porch like during a violent rainstorm like what you guys <laughs> are getting in, in new england this week so lo- looking at the way that it pours nice clear amber color um it's got some really good head retention I, i'm thinking it's probably gonna be a good beer i should just shut up about it and drink it so that's what i'm gonna do smells pretty good okay all right i gotta say this it's made with um malts from the blue ox malt house in maine i love when beers really kind of come together and they stay as as local as they possibly can Wet hop beers are very difficult to make. I, I would almost call them like the patchouli of beers. Either you, you get that smell, right, and, and you get into the drink, and you're just kind of like, well, this is absolutely terrible. I can't believe people are making this. Or you get something else, and you're like, you know, that's not, that's not that bad. The thing with pale ales for me, I love like the rustic taste just a little bit. It's not too farmhousey, but it's not too hoppy either. This is 6.3%, and it drinks more like a red ale to me than it does um, like a pale. But I, Oftentimes, when you see a, any version of a hopped pale ale, it's a little over the top. This is beautiful. This is exquisite. The, I mean, still, like after I've taken a sip of it, it's you still got a lot of bubbles. You're still getting good head retention. There's lacing on the glass. Uh, a wet hop beer. That I looked at the date on the bottom of the can. It was just just under 30 days that this this beer is brewed. 
This is fantastic. And this is a brewery I've never heard of in Maine before anyways. So for Navarre Res to have cans to be able to sell to go tells you that the beer is good enough to begin with, but it's just been verified by this taste test. Just, just amazing. I'm going to go and give this a four, three. Uh, it's probably one of the, the, I would say top five pails that I've had. Um, it's just, it's a very, very classic take on the style and for a wet hot beer, it shouldn't work, but it does. It's very, very good. Who, who did you say it was from again? Tributary. Tributary. Got it. Yep. Interesting. All right. So those are the beers that we're drinking this week. Tim, you just need to send me a little photography mm-hmm. shot of uh, your brewski there. And mm-hmm. while you're doing that, you can just go ahead and start off the, week, the week's picks because uh, you, you're going to start with an L this week. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <clears throat> so my week uh, and you know, for all the shit talking that's going on on the other side of that microphone, uh, I am still at a much higher percentage in picks than what you are. Yeah, so. but you're only four ahead, which is which is manageable. I mean, this is like you know you, you're down. But I did tell you you were going to peak at uh, at four or five, and here we are, you know, missing an opportunity to gain some ground. So yeah, yeah it, happens. it happens. All right, I, I I had Broncos, Browns, and to be honest, this was a stupid pick. Uh, I made a few of those this week and uh, <laughs> didn't stick to my winning formula of not trying to like outguess the general performance of some of these teams. I tried to play some of the spoiler picks. I tried to find games where I thought there were areas that, you know, have worked for me in the past. Uh, this was not one of those games because while the Browns were down Baker Mayfield, they were down Chubb, they were down Cream Hunt. Uh, the obvious choice was Denver, right? Well, no, because Denver is still Denver, and they're awful this season, awful. Cleveland's defense, along with their third-string running back, was enough to kind of get them enough points in a win. But really, it was Denver failing to do anything of value that really gave the Browns the win. Um, Again, this is a stupid pick. Uh, Vic Fangio, in my opinion, may want to start brushing up on, on his golf game. Get that in check because unless some things change drastically, uh, he's going to have a little bit more time for that, I think, before this season is over because, damn, damn, they're bad. Damn. Well, that was it. God, dude, I'm I'm going to keep it short and sweet <laughs> for you guys this week. I'm, Sam, Sam, Sam writes books for all of these. He pontificates for like eight minutes for each one of these. At this point, it's 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 going to be Thursday. By the time you hear this, you've heard it. Just going to give my quick little take on it, and maybe we're moving on. All I right, got some all picks right. to make. We're moving on to Panthers, Jets, Panthers, Giants, the New York teams. I, I thought for sure the Panthers are going to win this game because I thought the Giants were just too dysfunctional, right? Fighting with their with their teammates, fighting on the field. Um, and I said I'm on the fence, but I'm rolling Panthers here. And to be honest, I'm supremely happy to get to be wrong about this one. Because the Giants absolutely beat down the Carolina Panthers 25 to 3. What's not to love about this game? Zane Gonzalez started off as with a field goal for the Panthers in the first quarter, and they don't score another point. Can't win the game if you don't score points, right? But you can't do anything else. That was that was very clear. Devontae Booker, Dante Pettis, maybe you've heard of them before. If you've been watching football for a couple seasons, you know who they are. They were making scores for the G Men. The defense scored a safety. It was all big blue in this game. It didn't need the trio of Graham Gano field goals, but uh, it, it, it absolutely helped. And this was kind of the get-right game they needed. I don't think it fixes all of the New York Giants' problems, but six sacks in this game, 
lets you know that you are doing something right, which is watching film and capitalizing on the field where they clearly had no idea what to do on that terribly, terribly bad offensive line. Shout out to Craig, Hunter, all the Giants fans, Mr. Mosey. Good for you guys. All right, Jets Patriots. Uh, The Jets, they were without Zach Moss. uh, Sorry, (laughs) Zach Moss. Zach Wilson uh, had a knee injury, ended up leaving the game, suspected PCL potentially, so they may be without him for a little while. So the Jets really never even stood a chance. Um, I mean, they didn't stand a chance with him in there either, let's be honest. Uh, the, The score at the end of the game was 54 to 13. That is crazy. I've been saying, yeah, uh, this could have easily been more of that. They ended up sitting them down and, and, uh, bringing in a a backup at one point to, to play this. So this, this could have gone even higher, but you know, it's the jets. Everyone kind of has to feel bad for them. Uh, 515 total yards on offense. There was literally the nothing the Jets defense could have done for anything. They were connecting everywhere. There were some trick plays that were involved. There was a trick play for a touchdown. Uh, this was probably Jones' best game of his you know early career again. Stifling expectations. It was the Jets, but I've been saying the Jets might be a get-right game for a lot of teams <laughs> as they face them, and this very much is the type of game uh, you go in, you have some success, and you kind of roll into that going forward. So um, fun game to watch. Uh, I ended up having to listen to a lot of this one, um, but it was entertaining to listen to because when the Patriots are having are winning, they, they're they a – and then when they get up big and they start going to all the, the trick stuff to just kind of toy around a little bit, it, it it's fun football to watch. But rip the Jets season. Zach Wilson going down. It's, you know. Curtain. Man. Get Sam Darnold back on that team. Start going for them draft picks, baby. Yeah, trade him him back. All right, Chiefs-Titans. I said it was a must-win game for the Chiefs. Oh, boy. Yikes. Like, I get that the Titans have Derrick Henry and all, but come the fuck on. Like, the Chiefs, this this was a disaster piece for them. They have a great offense. They don't have a great defense. They have great coaching. They should be able to put it all together. You keep Derrick Henry to under 100 yards, no rushing touchdowns. That should be a win for you. He tosses a touchdown, though. You just don't see it coming? Cool. You can live with those sorts of things. Mahomes, got to pick in every single game. This is really beginning to look like if there is game film, you don't want to burn this, right? Isn't that what teams say Like when you really have a bad loss? Like, oh, let's burn the, burn the film. I don't want to see this again. No. Everyone should be taking notes of this game film because this just represents the fact that any team now is no longer scared of a Patrick Mahomes led team. That's bad news bears for a $500 million quarterback, but a set of coaches that are incredibly offensive minded. Like this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like Tannehill 21 for 27, 270, a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown. He had a pick, but it didn't even help. That pick didn't help the, the Chiefs score more than three points, which they scored in the third quarter. Now Mahomes got injured, took a knee to the face. Went to the concussion protocol. Looked like he could have come back in. But really, you weren't going to put him back out there anyways. There was nothing more that team was going to do. Uh, it's the worst loss on record for Mahomes with the Chiefs. Um, man. I, I don't think the teams have all figured out the Chiefs, but I think a lot of them a lot of them probably have. And 
you know, the Titans have always played them close, but man, it used to always be with this team. Oh, it's the defense. That's why the, the, the Kansas City offense has to be so prolific. And now it's like, oh, it's actually the offense too. Like, what in the actual fuck is going on here? 27 to 3 tight. Hmm. Told you. Gonna start figuring it out. Better hope I don't. I'm gonna keep riding that shit because I alluded to that on more than one occasion all last season. And here we are, baby. And we can't act like there's a lot of changeover on the the Kansas City side because there wasn't. Their offensive core is still roughly the same. Their defense is hot garbage. Yep. But anyway. it, the defense is a wet hot pale ale that didn't uh, get to the brewery for three days. Good. <laughs> we we had some uh, some some records being set in this game. We had Packers versus Washington. Mm. Uh, Packers defense finally came out to play a little bit. They've been kind of lackluster for most of the season. It wasn't perfect football. But better than it has been over the last few weeks. They forced uh, Taylor Heineke to – I can't say his name. That was great. You, you, you pronounced it correct for the no, first no, time. No, no, I'm like saying I weeks. can't say it without any sort of crazy inflection because if I if I don't do that, I'm going to call it something crazy. So t- <laughs> Taylor Heineke, that's what I would have said. Tyler <laughs> Taylor Heineke. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was, he, he was kind of forced into some bad decisions and made poor decisions – out of those situations he had a, a slide that should have been an easy touchdown like on the goal line that they originally called the touchdown and then he did the whole jump into the stands and they ended up calling it back it was not ideal uh he threw an interception so his gameplay really kept them i mean well, i mean it's washington so a lot of things kept him out of this game uh but that was one of them but <clears throat> rogers 274 yards and three touchdowns. The man is playing, you know, like a, a man possessed. He's sort of rebound and, and kind of found his way a little bit. Uh, the team is oddly enough playing with like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. But if you watch their press conferences, it's still a little, there's still a definite disconnect between Rodgers and the team and everyone else. He talks not in the third party, but he talks as if he's like not, I don't know. It's really hard to describe. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily like he is, uh, like disassociating himself with the team, but when he talks, it's as if he's talking as just a person, not a person on a football team. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, uh, we're like when he's critiquing or, or giving some sort of feedback or something like that, he literally just throws it out there and you're like, Ooh, geez, we're not used to this level of <laughs> exposure to, to some of these thoughts for some of our star quarterbacks. So while refreshing it's also a little bit uncomfortable it's like watching a dysfunctional family like you're watching the neighbors across the street that are super successful they have a bunch of you know kids a great house nice cars good jobs but then the cops get called but like out front everything hey hey you guys coming to my birthday and then you know you start to see some some cracks in the foundation and and you know Dad's spending some time away. That's kind of what this feels like when you're watching it. It just makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't know what it is, but they look, <laughs> the Packers look super hungry. And Washington's pass rush tried to make a game of it. Uh, it, what's strange is it's still, as well as they performed, a letdown compared to what they look like they should be on paper. They look like they should be a much better defense, a much better pass rush but they've failed to kind of live up to those expectations. But this is at least kind of a turn in the right direction. So, you know, hopefully this may get them on the right track. 
Taylor needs a little bit of work. He's got to get comfortable in there. Start him a little too early. I've already said that before. But um, what's strange is the the way this is sort of rotated, where now Packers are now being part of the like Super Bowl favorite conversation. Mm-hmm. Like they forgot, you know, some of these other teams are out there playing incredibly well, like the Bills and the Cardinals and the Titans, and it's suddenly like, oh yeah, the Packers are the favorite. I'm like, well, yeah, let's see. Although what is scary about that team, well, what's scary about that team is they have a lot of injuries. So as players start coming back, what does that look like and how much better do they get? So, but they, they won, they beat the Washington football team. So it's like a few notches above the Jets. Ah, okay. All right. All right. All right. Falcons, Dolphins. I said, Cal Ridley's back. They just come off the bye. I don't think the game gets outright ugly for the Dolphins, but I don't think they win either. I said, Falcons by a touchdown. I almost hit on every single part of that prediction. Uh, it's games like this that afterwards we we kind of go back and we watch some of the highlights and, and everyone has said their hot take about the Dolphins and it kind of makes you take pause. They come out and they have a game like this. You're like, did they listen to us? Did they hear what Tim and Sam had to say? And they're like, right, we got to stop being trash. We, we actually got to go out and play football. Who knows what it is? Um, maybe the teams are listening to themselves, right? And they're, they're having that nice self-talk uh, inner inner peace they're trying to find they're like we, we just got to really start playing the kind of football we're known for who knows it's not often that a, that a team as in poor and dire straits as the dolphins find themselves in a shootout but oh boy once they do that's that's when you're like fantastic why weren't you doing this all season and that's what happened this past sunday though they'd lose on a young way coup kick with three seconds left in the game 30 to 28 to the falcons you got to hand it to Tua. he went into halftime down then again at the at the beginning of the fourth quarter he was down two scores his total for the day, four touchdowns, two picks. Incredible. Obviously, like you don't feel good about the picks, but like when he needed to answer, when he needed to raise the Titanic, he did just that. And I feel like this is what the Dolphins were looking for when they drafted him in the first place. Now, again, maybe it was the pundits on TV talking about it, or maybe they were just taking a lot of no-quit moments to sort of rise up, which is what the Falcons did in this game. Kyle Pitts, going to be a monster. Completely understand why the Falcons drafted him. Uh, he is Julio and I... I, I would say better. I mean, I don't want to crown him better than Julio. I, you know, Julio is a franchise leader in, in a lot of areas, and, and they went to a Super Bowl. But, man, just think about this. If Atlanta gets a competent running game, because they're, have it, they've had flares, a really good running game, and in this game was not. Not at all. Um, Matty Ice, you get him a little bit of a defense. He might be able to put it all together. But you just can't have a veteran-led team with enough time on the clock to go down and kick a game-winning field goal, 30 seconds left in the game. It's not a sustainable game plan after your defense has been slashed all afternoon, so I don't really know kind of what happened there with the Dolphins at the end. Uh, the star of this game, jokingly, is both of the defenses because they they totaled two sacks, one per team. Come on, man. Come on, oh, man. Man, man I, I totally dropped the ball on two different occasions. Washington's record that I alluded to, mm. uh... <clears throat> They they kicked zero punts in that whole game. They went for it every time. Yep, they went for it every time, and they got it uh, very few times because (laughs) they didn't score a lot of points. They had 10 points. So to only score 10 points and not punt in a single game is insanity. Insanity. Crash, capital T. Also, something to put a pin in. Uh, Have you seen a lot of the grumblings in in that Philly is already ready to move off? Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I did see and they that. They have three first round picks next year, and they may use one of those for a quarterback. 
Yeah, I don't know that I trust any of these quarterbacks this year coming out, but, you know, we'll, we'll see yeah. what happens. All right, so let me just get to this one because this one's painful. Tim, I want to fucking hear you say it. I want to fucking hear you say it. I want to hear you fucking say it, Tim. No. Say it. No. Say it. I won't. No. No. Hashtag let so, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really have a dog in this fight at all, but I just wanted the Ravens to win so I didn't have to hear Sam and his stupid let Joey Roar say that. And I'm not even kidding. That's literally the first line of my show notes here. <laughs> word for word. And then Sam comes out and does that. So uh unfortunately he did a little bit of that. A little bit. Uh, a little bit. But, a little bit. But Tam. I well Damn. stand by. Stand by. In my opinion, I think this has uh, a little bit more to do with all of the injuries in the Ravens secondary coming to fruition and now getting exposed, which in my opinion also should have happened uh several weeks ago. But they were doing way better than we thought they were. It's literally a patch a patch together secondary that was overachieving. And in my opinion, this is like the first sign of them getting exposed and kind of showing that Lamar legitimately cannot carry a team through every single game. As much as he wants to try, as much as as much as the effort is there, he just is not capable of doing that. Um it's not to discredit Burroughs or Jamar Chase and the bromance we're seeing blossom sort of on primetime television every Sunday because uh, those two combined for 201 yards and literally a, a Madden-style highlight reel in which uh, he connected with uh, Chase, Jamar Chase, and he did this, you know, something we're going to see get repeated all this season, all off season, and probably part of every NFL highlight package going forward. But he spun uh, out of three defenders and made them all look stupid and scored an 82-yard touchdown. His total on the season so far, 754 yards, which is the most by a player through their first seven games uh, in NFL history, which is incredible. Uh, But, again, I feel like this might be a bigger representation of the Ravens' injury struggles, simple fact. Lamar just can't do it all by himself. You still need a defense to help stop if the offense isn't firing on all cylinders. Given what Lamar has done over the last few weeks, I got to cut him a little slack. You know, a loss, you know, sucks, obviously, no matter how it how you get to that point. But he still threw for 257 yards and only connected for 15 of, of 31. So, I mean, he had issues with protection. Uh, it was just, it was one of those games that, you kind of expected to see this earlier on as more and more of their players went down. I think they have like 10 guys, 10 starters now who are, who are not part of that team. Um, I will have to see how they kind of pivot from here and how they find ways to game plan around that. But I think this might be the the start of some of the exposure you're going to see, especially as their schedule gets difficult. Everyone looked at uh, Kansas city as sort of a benchmark game, but, Kansas City's playing like hot garbage. They're not a benchmark team for anybody. Could be. Could be a benchmark game for you to stop getting these picks wrong. <laughs> mm. Lions Rams. I said, oh, this could be the Jared Goff, the Jared Goff revenge game. No. Uh, I said, maybe the Rams take it easy on them and only pick them off twice and sack them three times. 
they did pick him off twice. Uh, and I said, Rams. Look, Dan Campbell's been waiting for this kind of moment. I think I'll go on the record and say what we've all been thinking. But I can't tell you how thrilled I was to see that the Rams were only ahead by one point going into the half. Everyone has been thinking this Ram is a team that, that can't be touched. And a lot of that has to do with them manhandling the Buccaneers. But have a damn day, DeAndre Swift. 68-yard touchdown scamper in the first. And then Campbell continued to be aggressive on both sides of the ball. And for a minute, it worked. But you just can't take field goals against a team like the Rams when they're capable of scoring touchdowns at will. It's not a very successful game plan, and that's what they did. They just settled for field goals um, because they wanted the points. But speaking of touchdowns, at will. Hopefully you haven't faced Cooper Cup in fantasy this week or previous weeks, because if you did, you lost by a lot. The guy is just unbelievable. The amount of chemistry that he and Stafford have in the first season is like off the wall. It's like unbelievable because the rest of the league is just like, yeah, let's double team Robert Woods or whatever running game they have going on. And they just like Coop just finds his way to get open like all the time. And the Lions lost this game 19 to 28. It's got to do wonders for them that they hung in there for as long as they did. But again, Goff, you know, they're a pick. Just kind of ended the game for them. I'm getting strong Julian Edelman vibes from Cup, and I sincerely wish him success, but I'm currently having nightmares of what he's going to do to the Seahawks in game two uh, this season. I'm not I'm not looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of playing your balls off, <clears throat> yeah, the Raiders-Eagles game. Raiders! Feel free to unsubscribe to us if you're tired of hearing that because I just I'm unsubscribing to us right now. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Derek Carr. If anybody told me at any point in any season that Derek Carr would be uh, like an elite top level quarterback, um, I might have heard you out, but then you know expressed my multitude of doubts because uh, I just nah wasn't feeling it. Uh, holy shit, man! That man is playing crazy right now there's two there's two crazy underlying stories to this Derek Carr is definitely one of them uh the Raiders you know being injury plagued as well uh with Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs both leaving with injuries in the first half you had you know Kenyon Drake who I haven't heard of since you know five years ago when I drafted in my fantasy league um and Kenneth Gainwell pretty much came in and, and carried the game for those guys uh Dallas Goddard on the other side, really starting to show some some promise. Might be worth a fantasy pickup as a little side note to all of this. But Derek Carr, 31 of 34, 323 yards, two passing touchdowns, and now he has a 91.2 completion percentage. It's the second highest in a game in NFL history. That is insanity that he is the driving force and why that team is being successful i mean i thought with the exit of gruden and the emotions that would ride in behind that there would be a lot of sort of figuring shit out but no it's it's you know they're finding ways to string games together they're five of two either sorry they're five for two through the seven games this season. It's their best seven game start since 2016 and their second five and two or better start in the last 20 seasons. So something is continuing to work for this team. Uh, and it's in spite of having what a lot of folks thought was one of the best uh, coaches, 
you know, I never felt the same way. I thought he was super hit or miss. Uh, I thought his style was uh, old compared to, you know, what tends to happen now where you're kind of including everybody in the conversation. He was just that old school, like, yell at everybody, bend everybody to my will. This will this will work fine. And it, it obviously wasn't as successful over the last few years as it was in his earlier coaching years. But um, on the other side of this, I kind of alluded to it a second ago, but uh, Philly and the rumors are starting that they're already looking to move on from Jalen Hurts, which in my opinion doesn't make a ton of sense because even in this game, he didn't have a terrible game. I think you just – there wasn't enough development. And unfortunately, this is what happens when you get a shiny new toy and you rush him into play. Now you're literally going to ruin this kid's career. If you if you bring in someone else and put him on the bench and replace him with another new starter, you're going to ruin this guy's career. He's going to end up with Mark Sanchez. He's going to end up with Tim Tebow, who never had time to learn and develop under somebody before they started. So maybe it's, he can come back and be a tight end in 10 years. And potentially. You, and, you, and, and you'll you'll defend it, too. I, I, I would say there was a possibility, but he doesn't have the build structure of Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow looks... Like Hurts, uh, Jalen Hurts does not. Jalen Hurts looks like a guy who I would play basketball with, at, like the town basketball court. Tall, little lanky, um, but he was eighteen of thirty-four, two hundred thirty-six yards. He had two touchdowns. He he did lose a fumble, but he got sacked twice. So again, not all of this is on him. He had sixty-one rushing yards. So I I can't imagine he is the problem. Is he the best quarterback that exists? No, but are they asking too much of him in his current stage of development? 100%. This is why you sit people. Joe Burrows, he's he's had some luck, but last season he had the same thing where he was kind of up and down. This season he's had some up and down games. He's playing very well right now. But if you look at all of the new rookie quarterbacks that have started both this year and last year, very few of them came in and immediately had success. A lot of them had to go through some struggles and some development and finally got to where they are. Tua, are we are we are we dumping Tua already? Like it's just it's such a weird thing to do this early on in the poor man's career on a team that is not built for success. You can't blame him if your defense can't stop anybody. You can't blame him if he doesn't have enough off- offensive weapons or linemen to protect him. So I'm not buying it. I think it's a little too too soon. But uh, in any event, the Raiders, man, the Raiders are going to continue chugging along. They won 33-22 in this one. I don't see them winning. I, I don't see them losing anything in like you know the next few games. This is when their schedule starts getting uh, a little easier. They're going into a bye week. They come back and they they face the Giants and then you know the Chiefs. If the Chiefs are still in Chiefs' current form, so. We'll see. I don't think they have a difficult game. I mean, the Bengals are coming up, and then they have the Cowboys after that. So, a, a little two-game stretch that that might test some of uh, some of their skills. But I think they got some easy riding for the next couple weeks. Good thing for the for these Raiders fans. These Raider faithful. Adam Grant, shout out. <clears throat> uh, Texas Cardinals. I picked the Cardinals because no way the Texans are going to win this game, right? Um, I said I really want to see a fifty burger dropped on the Texans for karma and for Kyle Murray's MVP campaign. I said they're going to score a minimum of 38 points. They did not. They scored 31. The Texans only scored five. So all these considered pretty good. A couple things here. I said, Zach Ertz, please be my bye week tight end savior. That happened. 
Uh, Zach Ertz has now caught a touchdown from two different teams in the same season in back-to-back weeks. The gloves and the ball from that game are going to the Hall of Fame. Even if he never makes it, that's that's incredible because you're, you're still there, right? Um, Kyle Murray, another three passing touchdowns. Just add to the ridiculousness that is the angry Redbirds this season. I feel like we should stop talking about the Murray to DeAndre Hopkins connection until they don't score a touchdown in a game. Like, when they go a game and they don't toss a touchdown to each other, that's when we should say, hmm, where's the chemistry? Uh, because this is becoming routine. It's week seven, people. Why the fuck haven't you figured out this team yet? Not just because I'm an NFC West stand and I love the Seahawks and they're going to get uh, shredded, annihilated, destroyed, discombobulated, nuclear wasted by this team. But, my God, no one can stop this team from scoring? No one? At all? I mean, Davis Mills tried, but you can only throw you know, rocks at a stone wall for so long. Uh, man. Man. Cardinals <laughs> are... like I, I remember, like what was it, last season when, when I said that the Steelers may never lose again when they were 11-0. I felt like that 11-0 was like kind of a paper, <clears throat> paper tiger because there were a couple, couple games where they could have lost. I like, called the Steelers demise then as well. I know, I know. But... Uh, Geez, the Cardinals have just been, they've been manhandling yeah. teams. They've been closing out teams. They, they just have all the things firing at the right time. And it's just like, this is a team that I do believe, I don't, I don't think they go 17 and 0 by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. So some team will figure them out. They'll, they'll eke out a win. You know, there's been a couple times this season where they've been close to losing, but they've still, they've still gritted it out. But man, 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 I'm going to need the rest of the league to start watching nothing but exclusive Arizona Cardinals games instead of, whatever team they're trying to scout for, just so they can sort of figure out, hey, what is this team doing? Can we grab things from their offense that's going to help us? Obviously, because it's working for Colin Murray. Can we grab things that their defense is doing? Yes, because they're closing out teams. Can we grab things in this special teams component? Of course you can. This needs to be the one team that every team needs to copycat or steal shit from, and no one seems to be doing it right now. And I just understand because we're going to go into the second half of the season here, and teams Mm -hmm. are still going to be losing to the Cardinals. No damn reason. So if I'm looking at their schedule, they got Green Bay next. That could very well be an L. They got the Niners, which is a toss-up. Panthers without McCaffrey. That's an easy win. Seahawks, week, uh, what is this, week 11? You could have Wilson back. That's a different look. That's a different looking team. If that's the case, maybe, maybe that's another L. That one's, that one's up there. They have a bye week, and then it's Bears, Rams again. Uh, and Seattle. They, yeah. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. They had Panthers. Week 11 is Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks. Right, but they bye have week. two games. They have two games against the, the Seahawks. Well, the end of the the end of the game, the week 18, which, you know. No, 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 no. That was an ass shit, Tim. No, that. that. <sighs> we'll get that. Other, we'll get otherwise, that. Otherwise, week 17 is their next, uh, I think, in my opinion, their next big question mark game because it's the Cowboys. So the Cowboys keep on keeping on. But anyway, <clears throat> let's get into what was, in my opinion, the game of the weekend because damn, I'm not even, I, I'm about to review the, the Bucks bears and I'm not even gonna give you a lot of bears insight because it was just hot garbage. It wasn't, it was not, uh, it was not great. There's literally nothing on that side of the conversation even worth talking about. Uh, I think Nagy went out of this game afterwards uh, and was reported to uh, have tested positive for COVID. So 
it started a mess and it ended a mess and it continued on a mess over the next week. But Tom Brady, this is going to sound like an appreciation post. It is not. It's just things that are worth mentioning about what this weekend's game turned out to be. So the Bucks are now 6-1 and one through seven games. It's their first time in, in history that they've started 6-1 and one through seven games. Brady had four touchdown passes in this game. All in the first half. It was crazy. It's, it was his, absolutely crazy. It's his 37th career game with four-plus passing touchdowns. He ties Drew Brees, who has obviously the same record. It's his eighth career game with four passing touchdowns in a single half, extending the mark for the most in NFL history. There's a lot of most here. Uh, Brady's 18 passing touchdowns in four home games this season. That passes uh, your boy Russell Wilson for the most through the first four home games in a season. Pretty nuts. In all of NFL history. Sorry, not a season. 21 passing touchdowns this season is the most by a reigning Super Bowl quarterback through seven teams. And Rodgers had 20 in 2011. Brady's first, he's the first player to reach 600 career passing touchdowns. He had finished with 602. Uh, if you didn't watch the game, Mike Evans did not realize the implications of the touchdown when he caught it and gave it to a fan uh, and then ran down and sat down. And while they were talking about it, he's like, oh shit, I gave it to a fan. And you could see like the panic settle in there for a second. Turns out they uh, negotiated with his fan who. I mean, you know, depending on where you read the comment section, you know, some people think he could have gotten, you know, a million dollars out of this or something crazy. He got seasons passes for the rest of this season. Yep. In next season passes for next season. Mm -hmm. Two signed jerseys from Tom Brady, a signed helmet from Tom Brady, a signed jersey from Mike Evans, signed cleats from the game from Mike Evans. And then Tom Brady, in good faith, tossed in a, a Bitcoin on top of all that. Uh Perhaps that's because the man just got into the NFT game, which if you don't know what that is, it's complete insanity. It's like trading cards for rich people. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, cool gesture. The fan said he, you know, there's no way he could say no to Tom Brady. So I think at, at that point, anything he got on top of that. But the comment sections are like, bro, you could have gotten like half a million dollars, a million dollars out of that. You could have gotten something crazy. You would have gotten more than that on eBay if you held on to it. But. I get it. I probably would have done the same. I, I may have negotiated like a round of golf or fishing or something with Tom Brady, though. That would have been cool. Sam, real quick, before I move on to all of the achievements in this crazy game, what would be your one ask? You're in the fans. You're a Buccaneers fan. Tom Brady, record game, runs up. You get the ball from, not him, from a receiver, and then the team comes up and says like, hey, man, listen, he was not supposed to go that way. But also... Quick segue. I don't know they get fined for every one of those that they give away. Yeah, Robo mentioned that during the uh, broadcast. Every yep. single one of those they get fined for. Yep. Which is crazy. But anyway. But, I mean, they also get fined for trading jerseys during COVID yeah. when, they, when they shouldn't have. So Yeah. All right. So um, your, your one ass, you have Tom Brady's record-setting 600th touchdown in your hand. What are you asking for? I, I feel like old boy's been a – a fan of the Buccaneers for a long time, so like to get season tickets for the rest of this season and next. No, 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 no. You, no, no. you, what are you asking? Yeah, I, I know, I know. Okay. But uh, what I'm saying is, 
um, because old boy, you know, decided to ask for season tickets for this year and next. Um, probably wants to see Brady, you know, play at least another year. I, I can respect that. I think, and I, I'm I'm a simple kind of man, Leonard Skinner. Um, I probably asked for a Tesla and a round of golf. Tesla and a round of golf. All right, but a round of golf in which I had to win. What's the point of that? Um, I'm fucking atrocious at golf. Like, yeah, yeah. But you want him to throw a game? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, just, just so I can. Just so you can say you beat Tom Brady in golf. One hundred percent, Tim. Yeah, That's but it. we've all, we've That's all, all seen want. we've all seen his golf on prime time display. Yeah. So he would smoke. He, yeah, he, I don't he think would, I don't he, think he could play poor enough to actually give that game away. Let's be honest. I don't know. Maybe. I maybe. But a Tesla, a Tesla is probably worth less than a, a Bitcoin, depending it on what is, model you it get. Is, it is just a little bit. Yep. So. I, I think that I think that's what I would have done, you know. Right. Like I, I, I'm cool with like the memorabilia and all the other stuff, but a, a Tesla and then a round of golf in which I beat Tom Brady. I, I mean, like one stroke. But I'm not asking for anything crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what I would have done. Maybe you know, take the ball, but I want this seat here for the five next years, forty years. Uh, <laughs> well, how much does the season pass? Uh, season season, well, season tickets could be quite a bit depending on how successful the team is. So. You know, for like for like the Browns, I'm sure you you get 40 years out of that. But uh, Tom Brady well, doesn't play for not, the Browns. Not, so. not now. The Browns are you know. Anyway, mm. cult favorite Browns. Cult favorite. All right. Um. In any event, uh, Bucks five takeaways in a home game for the first time since 2013. Justin Fields, who was not great, five turnovers. He had three interceptions, two fumbles. Uh, the only Bears rookie with five turnovers in a single game since 1970. Um, I mean, I, I I could literally just continue going on down this list. You guys get the point. Uh, to kind of cap it all off, though, uh, Justin Fields ended with a uh, QBR rating of 44.3. Uh, Blaine Gabbert, who came in to replace Tom Brady, uh, finished with a 78.5. So that's all you need to know uh, about that so <laughs> it's a bummer it's a bummer all right colts, colts 49ers i i wanted to believe oh jimmy g's back and i said it's going to be too close of a game for comfort but i think colts should win rain rain go away we've all heard that the childhood nursery rhyme but i'm pretty sure that's what everyone in levi stadium said uh, they must have been singing it to themselves on Sunday Night Football, which was a torrential downpour. It was terrible. Now, I know the Niners have played in conditions like this before, notably you know, against the Washington football team a season or two back where they won. Let me just get even further on my soapbox here than I usually do. <clears throat> After watching this game, I get why the Niners drafted Trey Lance. I say again, I get why the Niners drafted Trey Lance. I'm so goddamn sick and tired of seeing this play-action fake where Jimmy G pretends like he's going to throw it high. He just throws it up there. And, his, and the ball's not even in his hands. Like, who does he think he's fooling? It is so terrible of a sell, so awful, that me, a guy who can't even get more than five picks right in a week, knows with somewhat accuracy when his, head goes, when his, when his arm goes above his head to a certain angle, that the ball's not even there. He's not even throwing the ball. And if I know that shit, the defense does too, which, of course, that's exactly what happened here. He tossed it 27 times, only connected on 16. He had one touchdown, two picks. He got sacked twice. He ain't it, Niners fam. I don't know how to tell you this, but the Niners defense did not record a sack or a pick in this game. 
And for the amount of talent they have on that defense, it's unfucking acceptable. So much for that vaunted Super Bowl defense all those years ago. Maybe they should have kept Eric Armstead instead of trading him to the team they just lost to, the Colts, because Carson Wentz had his own get-right game. I can't believe I just said that. Wentz looked like, wait for it, Carson Wentz. Now, Michael Pittman is his team's future wide receiver one. Jonathan Taylor racking up the yards. The defense holding on the way they are. This team could turn the season around and surprise some folks. Colts 30, 49ers 18. 18 from James Garoppolo. Come on now, man. Put Trey Lance back out there. This is trash. Oh, come on. We're not there yet, are we? They lost to the Colts. Yeah. What did I say last week? What did I say? I thought that this could be a game that sets them in motion, right? All right, let's someone. This is where we need an editor or someone to like cue the tape, play it back, so we can we can hear it. Because I said it last week, this could be potentially yep. Carson Wentz kind of turn around. And I don't think the Niners are a terrible team, but you know, this is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, Seahawks Saints. Yep. Okay. Here so we last week, as I was making my way through my picks, I got to the bottom of the list, and I said. Uh, Sam, for you, I'm going to take the Seahawks, but I know the Saints are going to win this game. And then I said, fuck it. Write it down. Seahawks. I told everybody they were not going to win this game, and I put this pick in anyway, and damn it, I'm an idiot, and I should never do that again because uh, I care more about Sam wearing this atrocious jersey whap, whap, whap. than I do about his personal feelings when it comes to uh football games but all that being said uh while this was not a very entertaining game it was a pretty slow game and not because the defenses were playing well it was just and everyone was failing to execute from the quarterback position yeah um it was rough Jameis winston was even worse right like this is not the the w eating douchebag we saw a couple weeks ago he was 19 of 35 222 yards he only had one touchdown. He had two sacks. He had a fumble, scrambled a little bit, had about 40 yards rushing. Um, but he somehow managed to allow Geno Smith and the banged-up Saints, uh, the banged-up Seahawks, to stay in this one. And this is a Seahawks team whose defense is, I'm sorry, Sam, atrocious. It's not great. It is, it is late garbage. It is. Yeah. Uh, but Geno... Only went 12 for 22 of 167 yards and had one touchdown. Uh, it like it just wasn't a great game all around. No matter how you paint it, how you look at it, how you try to code it, this should have been a game the Saints ran away with. The fact that they even let the Seahawks float around in there and stick around even a little bit. That To be honest, this is one of those games that up until the actual end of the game, it really could have gone either way. Yeah. And I and I genuinely thought the Seahawks were going to find a way to kind of pull this out, but they just didn't have it there. Uh, Gino, he's not that guy. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not out there manufacturing wins like Russ can. But even more so, his defense is really what kind of let them down in this one. They had a chance to, to keep it tied. And even at one point to take the win late in the game, and they just could not keep their shit together and prevent anybody from doing anything. Uh, Camara went ham 
He had 128 yards receiving and a touchdown, and he had 51 rushing yards. Like He was literally a stat machine in this game. In fact, he's the only one on the team that really contributed much of anything. The next closest rushing, uh, uh, running back or, or anybody who had any sort of rushing yardage was Ty Montgomery. He had four yards. And the next closest receiver on the team was uh, Adam Trotman with 36 yards. So he literally outperformed the entire team combined, which is insanity. You should have been able to say, oh, wait a second. I see the problem here. Let's just stop this guy from catching the football and we'll win this game. And they could not do that. He was all over the place. Nothing they could do about it. He had 20 rushes. He had 51 yards. He had 10 receptions for 128 yards. It was crazy. It was his 11th game with 150 yards from scrimmage. Ties Ricky Williams for most in the Saints history. Uh, He reached 3,000 rushing yards and 3,000 receiving yards in only his 66th career game, which is crazy. It's the fastest in history. Before that, it was like Roger Craig. It took him 70 games. Uh, James Winston, already talked about him. Not great. That's not it. I don't know what their answer is, but they're going to have to figure out something uh, next season because he's only averaging about 3.6 yards per completion. That's not going to do it either. It's the lowest he's ever had in his career. He's only completing, I mean, he's completing less than a quarter of his passes. Uh, It's just, it's not a great look. I mean, the Seahawks are off to two and five start, but with their poor off, uh, their poor defense, their starting quarterback in the, one of the better quarterbacks in the league who was uh, coming off of last year into this year, playing incredibly well, slowly becoming a point where it may be too much for them to overcome, right? Two and five, we're not there yet. If it trickles up to like two and seven, two and eight, at that point, you then start to think about what to do next year. But still a long season ahead. Uh, it's an 18-game season, 16, 18-game season this year? 17. 17? Oh, yeah, because they all have a bye week. Yeah. 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 So there's 10 more weeks. They could rally and win all 10 of them, and then we're it's a totally different conversation going into the uh, the postseason. But it's not panic button time yet, Sam, but I at least see it on the desk ahead of me. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so uh, recapping this week's picks, you got four right, I got four right. I have a total of 27. You have a total of 31. This is a real, real killer week for you to just put the foot down leave me in the in the rear view but you didn't do it this is a real good week for me grant not not granny shifting but double clutching like i should shout out to fast and furious and then catch up with you (laughs) but i didn't so i'm still within striking distance but i'm not there yet all right let's move into this for, for the record your boy has a has just under a 70 percent pick rate that is if, i mean that's like if, vegas rates if that was the case then you'd be so much further ahead of me but you're not that is actually what it is i have a 70 i have a 69 i i actually did the math samuel i have yes. a a 69 point like 81 percentage and you're at a 60.08 okay so you, you're 10 percent better than me which means any given sunday and you keep slipping up on some of these picks I agree. Boy, could be right back in the conversation. All, all I'm saying is, for some some dude running a you know a, a, a quiet you know little podcast, seventy percent is pretty fucking good. I just take my talents to Vegas. 
Yeah, if you do say so yourself. All right, <clears throat> moving into this week's picks. Thursday night game, Packers-Cardinals. Um, look, I want to believe that the Packers can win this. Devontae Adams, COVID-19 reserve list. Alan Lazard, COVID-19 reserve list. For the Cardinals, J.J. Watt. Probably not going to play. Unless something crazy happens in this game. I don't see how Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan, Equiminius St. Brown, and whomever else Aaron Rodgers could concoct is going to beat the Cardinals. Do I think it's going to be a fantastic game? Yes. Do I think the Cardinals find a way to win this game? Yes. It pains me to say this. I want to say go, Pat, go so bad, but I can't. If Devontae Adams is in this game, I would have picked the Packers straight up, 100%. Him not being there severely limits this offense. It just does. So I have to go with the Cardinals here. So thankfully, unlike last week, a couple of these picks, I can give you back some time. <laughs> uh, Bengals, Jets uh, needs no further analysis. I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say um, Bengals and I'm not. And dr- no, I'm not saying it. OK, Hashtag this is this is going to be a get right game for uh, Joey Burrow. Joey Burrow yeah, does yeah, not play the fourth quarter. Beat the Ravens. No. A, a, yeah. An overachieving banged up Ravens. But yes, handedly beat the Ravens. I don't want to discredit him. It was a phenomenal game. Then if the playoffs are today, the he is not going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Cool story, bro. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone's beating Tampa though. Um, in the AFC, different conference, but okay. no, no, I meant like to the championship. Well, okay, but like, Joey Burrow's in his first year as a starter, going all the way to the Super Bowl, would be pretty fucking fantastic. Second year, second year. Well, he didn't play the. Did he play the full? Yeah, all right. Second season, he got injured and went out. Right. So don't worry about Sam. He's new to football. It's fine. All right, Titans Colts. I'm not picking against the Titans. Uh, I did that shit last week against the Chiefs, and I, while well, the Colts just handed the Niners uh, a pretty convincing loss uh, in the rain, I, I'm not going to go against here. Uh, Julio keeps getting these weird. My hamstring is is needing extra work. I need rest days. AJ Brown is back now. Derrick Henry's doing whatever he wants to do. The team has got their swagger, definitely. Um, and this is a division game. They can't afford to lose it. So I'm going to say Titans. Okay. Rams, Texans. You know, I've been paying a lot of attention to this one. This one's a little bit up in the air for me. Because, no, I'm just kidding. It's Rams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Steelers, Browns. Look, a, a, a tough a tough game. Um, Nick Chubb hurt. Kareem Hunt hurt. Dearness Johnson was hurt. Ting you if you did not put him in your lineup did you see what i did there oh my god uh, i was great i was facing a guy last week he sniped dearness johnson on the waiver wire from me uh, and then he put him back to waivers before the game for jarvis landry shout out to papa Schiff. uh he didn't he didn't end up needing those 22.8 points i couldn't get them either i ended up losing to him anyways in the league but steelers browns here it is a good game on paper uh, i expect that baker is still going to be just coming off his injury just a little bit uh, they still have a lot of things to figure out, like how to get Odell Beckham involved. But I think the Steelers just had their buy. So it's good good to have a little bit of rest. And I do think that the Steelers, ultimately, they need to kind of win this game to put themselves back into pecking order to kind of joshy, joshy, jockey for uh, postseason position here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick upset here. This can be my, my one upset pick of the week. I'm going to go Steelers here. Uh, shout out to Dan. I, I think that the Browns have too much injuries, and I think that that defense of the Steelers will be able uh, to come together and do something. You no, know we should do just 
for S and Gs uh, throughout the season. Let's do a little fantasy check in to see how uh, your fantasy is going. Just mm. so we can, we have our picks. These are these are great, but in, in terms of uh, one offs, I mean, yeah. uh, in terms of NFL, I I don't I can't even talk right now. In terms of fantasy, mm-hmm. how we should pick. <clears throat> Sorry, that's the twelve percent beer. We're talking right now. Yep. Uh, Eagles versus Lions. All right, this one uh, isn't quite as uh, isn't quite as cut and paste. Oh, yeah. Well, you have the Lions who are on seven. You have the Eagles who are two and five. Unfortunately, I think the Lions are just that bad that no matter what struggles the Eagles have going on, uh, I think they are at least better than the Lions. So I'm going Eagles with this one. Hey, all right. I. I also think that this might be one of those games where Hertz comes out, performs well. I have them on one of the fantasy teams, and it does it has happened throughout the uh South Sea. They've lost some games, but again, you can't ask a quarterback to play both sides of the ball. So uh, this might be one of those that we look back and say, like, oh, this is what this kid's capable of. It's the yeah. Lions, but this is what he's capable of. Totally agree. All right, 49ers, Bears. Bears got really thumped last week, and uh, I don't know exactly what they're going to do going forward. I think there are some good parts there. But look, Allen Robinson is not doing great on this team, which doesn't make any sense because he's over 1,000 yards last year. And he's not been, he's not been involved this year. Uh, him and Justin Fields don't have good chemistry. The running game doesn't seem to have good chemistry. It's one person here, one person there. Someone catches COVID, someone gets injured. Um, a little tough. I'm going to go with the 49ers here. The 49ers should have won that game last week. Um, they were trying to control the clock and then you had a couple of bad picks and you just, you're not the same team, uh, especially in the rain, driving rain, very difficult for them. But I do think that the 49ers need, need to win this game more than the Bears do uh, for all things considered. So that's why I'm going 49ers. This is where we're getting to like the tough part of the schedule because it's not all, literally, none of the next like six games we're about to talk about are really cut and dry um panthers falcons this is a tough one i think mccaffrey's out indefinitely they've been saying like week to week or whatever but i think he's he's out indefinitely um falcons are starting to kind of put their shit together a little bit i've been saying i think matt ryan who's put up some crazy numbers this season to have a losing record or at least a 500 record has been um a little strange. So I'm actually going to go Falcons in this one because I think, I think, Woo! yeah, I think, I think Ryan kind of rides some of the momentum they've been building Panthers. You know, we've already gone over uh, Sam Darnold's numbers when McCaffrey's not on the field and he is not going to be on the field this week. So. Interessante as the kids say. All right, uh, Dolphins, Bills. Bills coming up their bye week, going against the Dolphins. I'm not even, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. Welcome back, Bills, with a dub. <laughs> uh, Patriots, Chargers. This one's actually an interesting one because the Patriots, as of late, look very different than the Patriots of the first portion of the season. Um, everybody knows what to expect with the Chargers. They're a phenomenal team playing great football this season. Um, Hmm. I guess I gotta think on this one a second. I was not. I thought I was gonna go in with this one, knowing who I was gonna pick, but I'm gonna go Patriots. I think okay. Jones. I think Jones and the team is starting to figure it out, right? I think the Jets game, while not superior talent to go up against, 
may have given them looks at some things to figure out when you when you're scoring 50 plus points you're you're a lot you're starting to try things you might not try in a normal game definitely a lot of those confidence th- a lot of those things were successful so they may translate into real time real game scenarios that you may not have been comfortable trying beforehand because you were playing from behind or you had close games so i think this is where we might start to see maybe not this game but over the next few games we might start to see that patriots team turn i think they're a playoff team long term and I think we need a shift in the season. This, this, this might be it. This might be it. So this, this could be a, a heart pick, but I, I don't actually think so. It is a heart pick, and you'll take an L. But that's okay because I'm, I'm gonna take an L on this next pick too. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Jag Seahawks. This would be the I used to be hired by the Seahawks, but now I am on another team revenge game uh, with Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer, Shaquille Griffin, all being on this team. Um, the Seahawks. You you put up a lot of stats about what they didn't do against the Saints here night, which were all very, very fucking infuriating to watch uh, live in prime time. But I think there's one thing that the Seahawks team has uh, actually done right over the past couple season, uh, p- past couple games of season. Uh, excuse me. You said that that's a defense. Um, the defense holding has gotten a little bit better. There's been some some penalties and things they need to clean up, but that's that's always been a thing with the Pete Carroll coach team. That they play so aggressive that sometimes they just go overboard. Um, and the Seattle Seahawks had a couple chances to win that game outright last week, and they just stupid penalties just prevented them from doing that. They always have a couple of these games every season that are just like, what the fuck's going on up there? Um, that being said, the Jags just won their first game, but they've they've lost five. I do anticipate that this will be a game that the Seattle Seahawks get not one, not two, but three turnovers. I think there's going to be a couple picks. I think there's going to be a fumble or two. Uh, I, I think that this is going to be a game that uh, Seattle will, will be able to just sort of re-energize their season. They're going into the bye, right? Um, Russ has been reported to have more movement in his finger now uh, than they thought he was going to at this time. He's, he's projected to have the pin taken out of his hand this week. He's looking to target uh, to come back and play the Packers after the bye. All of these things are good signs. I just have to believe that you can't lose this many games in a row. Seattle had never lost three games in a row until they lost this last one. They're not trying to lose four games in a row, and definitely not against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I do believe, and this isn't a heart pick, this is a football pick, and the Seahawks will win, but in true Seahawks fucking fashion, it'll be a 21 fucking 19 game or some bullshit. With a turnover somewhere at a crucial point. Yes, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Look, if if Geno just tosses turnovers in the first part of the game, The Seahawks are probably like, you know, four and three. But uh, no, all these turnovers just happen in the worst possible times, uh, the fourth quarter of every single game or overtime. All right. Uh, Tell me you're a Seahawks fan without telling me you're a Seahawks fan. Uh, (laughs) Broncos, Washington. This one was kind of a toss up for me because initially I was like, you know what? I think Washington has a little bit more going on for it. The Broncos just burned me last week uh but i think given some of the turnover problems and the rookie quarterback situation in washington i'm gonna go broncos again this week at some point it's gonna pay off uh broncos i think they've they've got a little bit more momentum wasn't a great game last week for washington it might take them a game or two to kind of figure their shit out if they figure their shit out but uh that one that one could be a toss-up i i feel like that's gonna be another one that's gonna come down to like late game heroics of a field goal or maybe like uh some blown coverage touchdown or like an overtime win or something like that but 
That'd be pretty cool to see an overtime game there for sure. Uh, Bucks Saints. Look, if Drew Brees was playing against Tom Brady, this this would be much <laughs> much better. But as Tim is doing, um, it's Jameis Winston, and Jameis Winston guy. was atrocious last week. And as the stats you pointed out, like, look, see, I'll just kind of get in that game. It was it was bad. They're they're not gonna have a chance to do that. They're not gonna have a chance to keep up. If Michael Thomas was back off of the pup list, maybe. You know, with with the defense, the situation, the way it is in Tampa Bay, like things might kind of work out in their favor, but no way, dude. No way. Tom Brady is a man hell-bent on two things. Destroying the league and winning against Bill Belichick. He already beat Bill Belichick this season. So all he has left to do is just check the block and just go ahead and just get 601 touchdowns. Two, three, four, 606, 615, whatever it is. Tom Brady looks at this season, I'm pretty sure, as MVP, and Super Bowl MVP, break any curse, be on Madden next year, retire on top. This is his apple this year, and I I struggle to find a way to think of how the Saints could win this game. And it would include Antonio Brown breaking his leg, Mike Evans just having three tipped interceptions off his hands, uh, and maybe Tom Brady like tearing a ligament. I, I I just don't see any way in which there are not horrific injuries that pile up against the Bucks, where they win, or where the where the Saints win. I just don't see it. So I'm going Bucks. Couple questions, just so we have it uh, on record before the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Where about a quarter way through the season, we have what? What did we say? Eleven games left. Yeah, give or take. All right. So currently, Tom Brady is sitting at 21 touchdowns and the single season record is 55 right by Mahomes, by peyton manning what? 2013 oh did, did so uh, oh oh Mahomes did the 50 he had he hit 50 and then you're talking about the 2013 season by, by manning right yeah yeah on the yeah. On, on the broncos yeah the ones that lost the seahawks that year the super bowl nbd <clears throat> hmm, that's fine Want to start talking about Super Bowl losses? We can. Yeah. No, we don't. Okay. Um, uh, do you think he gets to 55? No, he's, I don't. He's he's throwing almost three touchdowns per game. Yeah, I don't I don't think he I don't think he gets there. If he had stayed in this game and played the full length of this game, he probably because keep yeah. in mind he threw four in one half. Do you think if he starts to sniff that record, and they want to bench him when he has some of these blowout games. If he's like, no, keep keep me in because this shit's going down. Because his next few games are, uh, they have a bye week this week. Oh no, they play the Saints. They have a bye week. And then it's it's literally the the Washington Football Team, mm-hmm. the Giants, the Colts, which could be a little bit of a challenge, the Falcons, the Bills, the Saints the Panthers, and they finish with the Jets and the Panthers. I could see him putting up some fucking crazy number. Keep in mind, he scored four touchdowns in the first half without Antonio Brown or Gronkowski on the field. And it was right. the first time he had six consecutive passes without a without a completion ever in his mm. career or something like that, or, or at least for a very long time. Uh, so you said, does he hit 55? And I said, no, I don't, th- I don't think he gets okay. there. I think I think he throws I don't think he throws sixty, but I think he throws like 
57 or 58. I think he's a clear MVP candidate at the moment. Yeah. I, say, I who would agree. be the other one? The other MVP candidate right now would just Henry? be Henry. You, you could say Henry. I'm going to go Rodgers just based on the fact that there's been such a market turnaround from the beginning of the season. But Henry also makes a very valuable case because everyone's like, oh, we can't give it to a running back. Like they don't, you know, they just score touchdowns and he's now passing touchdowns. Granted, it was on the five yard line, but still, you got to make the pass. Um, I, yeah, I, I couldn't say Henry. No, <clears throat> I just couldn't. I, I, Henry, Henry would be on my list. Kamara might be on my list because he's literally receiving and rushing and godly numbers and helping carry but, that. But he's not passing. Carry that team. But he's not. But he's not passing for touchdowns. That, that's, no, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and that's the thing. The most valuable player. You can do it all, right? Like, and from a from a coaching standpoint, the most valuable player would be someone who plays like special teams, offense, and defense, right? But that shit doesn't happen outside of Pop Warner in high school football. So um, I, I would say for me, and, it, and it's tough because I don't like saying this. I don't even like visualizing this. I don't, I'm saying it. But, um, you know, Brady for me is the clear-cut favorite for MVP right now. I think Rodgers is in the, the top three conversation. I could be talked into possibly entertaining a Derrick Henry conversation. but. For me, there are also some defensive players who absolutely need to be given their due uh, just for how the fact that they're the most valuable players on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if, if Matt Stafford wasn't on the Rams, it would, it would be Aaron Donald. And do I, I don't think that, you know, uh, Javon Reed is going to be the MVP candidate. I think it would be a defensive player of the year candidate for sure. But I think okay. you can argue the point that there are – even some people on the Cowboys team, maybe maybe a Dak that you might be saying eh, could enter the the dark horse conversation for MVP, as as could Derek Carr, which is insane. But um, that that's what I would say. So just to, just to throw it out there, let's compare some statistics real quick. So the, the top three quarterbacks we just mm-hmm. labeled. Yep, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and I would say Kyler Murray. Should we throw Derek? Carr oh, in the she, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't say Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler, Kyler Murray as well. What about, what about uh, Derek Carr? Like, are we shortchanging him by not being part of that conversation? Because uh, yeah, I mean, dark horse. But if if we're going to the top five quarterbacks right now, for right. me, it's Brady, Rogers, Murray, Dak, Carr, Dak. You got Dak in there. I got Dak in there. All right. So let's just. I don't have. I don't have Dak up. But let's look at. Carr has twelve touchdowns and five interceptions. With a sixty-seven point seven completion percentage, but he, okay. but when they've when when they've had some games that have been questionable, and he's not tossed a touchdown or something like that. Like that's that's for me the, the delineating factor. Like yeah, yeah. most valuable player, someone who comes in absolutely changes the team, whether it's an offense or defense. Like just affects the outcome of the game. Kyler Murray clear cut does that. Aaron Rodgers clear cut does that. Tom Brady obviously is doing that, but to me, almost like the the Brady thing is like he has a fantasy football squad. But then so does Kyler. So I'm I'm kind well, of fading him a we, little bit. We we would say that, except he's winning games without two of those primetime players, like without Gronk. But he won games without with Brown. Them. He won yeah. games with them earlier. Sure, but the game like his clearly best performance was without two of them right now, right? Yeah. Where like we don't know where he would have ended up if they didn't take him out. But anyway, so I mean it's it's surprisingly close. I won't I won't tell you who is who. But I'm just going to, I mean, I, I kind of buried the lead there a second ago. But mm-hmm. you have uh, one quarterback is 67.7 completion percentage. 
with 12 touchdowns and five interceptions. You have another one who is a 68.3 percentage with 15 touchdowns and three interceptions. You have another one who's got a 73.5, so obviously an increase. Less yards on the season. Uh, he's got... Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty comparable. It's it's only a, a, a few hundred less than one of these. Uh, and then you have one who is... At 2,200 yards, almost 2,300 yards with 21 touchdowns and only three interceptions and a 67 point, 67 percentage rate. So, like, those numbers are close, but one of them sticks out a little bit more. Your your front runner and Aaron Rodgers, or, or one of your front runners and Aaron Rodgers, has only 1,700 yards on the season and only 15 touchdowns. But he, he threw a pass and then slid and fell backwards. And the pass was complete. Yeah, well, was Mahomes, Mahomes has done that too. Are we going to throw him into this category? Absolutely not, because Mahomes is like what two and yeah. four, two and five. So, all right, let's. Anyway, do- anyway, sorry. Moving on. That was I thought that was a, a conversation worth having because I'm curious to see I where agree. we think he lands. But uh, we only got two more games anyway. Uh, Cowboys Vikings. Uh, I'm going to go Cowboys with this one. I think. Damn. I think with everybody. On that team, firing on all cylinders. I think Dak is that dude right now. This is a team that is really worth paying attention to. The Vikings, great team. Cousins has been playing well this season, but I think the Cowboys have something to prove. They're out to, you know, take names. So, going Cowboys. All right. Monday Night Football game, Giants-Chiefs. Sometimes, you know, I like to pontificate, like you said. Sometimes... I see things on the Twitter spirit that are so good, and I just can't think to myself, man, I wish I would have said that shit, but I didn't. At F. Amarante, Frank Amarante, works for Rotoballer, Fantasy Footballer, podcast guy. Four hours ago, he tweets this. I can see Allen Robinson traded to the Chiefs. Chiefs are three and four. Mahomes coming off one of the worst games of his career. They're desperate for a wide receiver, two to ignite the offense. Because Miko Hardman ain't it. Sammy Watkins was gone, and apparently he is taking more of the offense with him than I think we realized. Uh, Robinson is having his worst season. He might be traded at the deadline. It's a perfect fit. At Phantom of the Hip Hop Opera was literally just thinking this good stuff. And then me saying, <laughs> bury the lead. This might make it to a stats podcast episode. I do agree that the Chiefs need something here. It would be great for them to make a trade at the deadline. I don't understand why they let Watkins go. He had that weird article that came out where he, he talked about believing in aliens and ghosts and stuff. But if the guy produces in the field, you can't you, you can't hold back about it, right? The Chiefs are in every game is is like almost must win. And like whether you win convincingly or whether you win barely, like these four losses, they can pretty much kiss a first round bye out. It's not happening. There are too many other good teams in the AFC now that have less losses than them and will probably have less losses on the rest of the season that unless Kansas City runs the table, I don't see that happening um, where they get a first-round bye. So they're going to have to play wildcard weekend. And the first thing they need to do is beat the Giants. And they should have beaten the Titans last week, but they didn't. And they should have also beat some other teams that they lost to this year because they're the kings of doing too much. I think this will be a methodical game for the Chiefs. I think instead of seeing these crazy, the pocket breaks down, Mahomes scrambles to his right and left and throws it across his body for a 48, you know, 70,000 yard, uh, you know, would be interception, but Tyreek gets away from the defender. 
I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think this is going to be a get-right game for the Chiefs, and I think this is going to be maybe some of them looking in the mirror and saying, these are some of the things we should have been doing all along. Maybe getting to some more rhythm timing with the passing concepts instead of just letting the play break down and playing backyard football. So I think the Chiefs will win here. Um, that's no slight to the Giants. Uh, I think they can keep it interesting, but I don't think they can keep it interessante. The, the talent on the Chiefs is just too much, and I, I just think they've been asleep at the wheel too long. I think the Chiefs get back to 500 this week. That's how I think week eight ends. All right. There it is, everybody. There it is. That will do it for this episode of Stats Matter Podcast. We thank you all very much for your support. Watch these games. Tell us who your MVP picks are. And it sounds like Tim is trying to make a case for Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry. So all the King Henry fans out there and all the Alvin fans, but not Simon or Theodore, uh, go ahead and let uh, us know. For anybody who doesn't know, Sam doesn't actually have children. So the yeah. dad jokes, they're just, they're just bad jokes. I'm just, I'm oh just prepping. I'm just prepping. I'm just right. prepping. Hey, right. I, had a, I had an idea real quick. We could throw it out to our fans uh, and anybody who listens. We should. Let's see. How many, how many weeks we got left in the season? 11. 11. 32 teams. I don't know if, how we could make this work. but. If anybody wants to come on and make a case for your team, let us know. We'll bring you on. We'll chat about it a little bit. Talk about your team. You probably know more about them individually than we do as a collective whole. So let's hear it. If we've been shitting on your team and you want to come out and talk about it, let's hear it. If you want to come on and commiserate and complain about your team, we're here for it also. Let's start an open mic. Anybody who wants to come on and and join us. Let's bring in some real people, some real fans to come in and, uh, and, and talk about it. What do you think that about would, that? That, that that's, that's a great idea for a segment. And we should also have them picks, you know, for a certain week so I can find a way to get three picks right and you get two picks right. And then I just get this slowly oh. inch up in the... Sam and Tim versus the people. Like our picks versus their picks. Dun, 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 dun. Done. All right. Yep. All right, boys. We're out of here. And girls and all those uh, included. In between, yep. mm-hmm. we love you guys. Thank you very much for listening, Sam. Looking forward to beating you in picks this week, Tim. That's all I got to say. Uh, you got a couple questionable ones in there. I okay. feel like I'm, I'm going right. back to my roots, and I would not be surprised if I get them all this week. And we're out. <laughs> <laughs> Except you're totally not getting the Patriots pick right, bro. You, you're fucking smoking something. What, what did you do? You go to Grant Street I and you, smell... get, you, get a, you get a bag? I smell a micro bet coming. A micro bet. I've lost track of all of our bets. I feel like I owe you something. I do. I owe you beer or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you owe me beer. But um, I, did, I, uh, I, I got to Jersey, so that's out of the way. I owe you it, beer. Is, yeah. We had a bunch that were like double or nothing. Um, uh, micro right. bet. Micro bet. Yeah, let, let's let's do a micro bet on the Patriots game. Oh, here's what we'll do. I'll Venmo you uh the cost of a pint plus the two dollar tip. <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. All right. Yeah. Uh, if the Patriots win. No, the if, Patriots if, win. The, if the Chargers win. If the Patriots win, you got to hook a brother up. Yep. If uh, if if the Patriots lose, I'll hook you up with one. Or do you that want a four-pack? I'll drizzle, I'll drizzle you a, a, a four-pack of a package store near you. Still waiting for the four-pack <clears throat> off the last one, but. I know. We got to figure out what that is because I think it was a big one, right? 
Well, yeah, because I put a bottle of Drefontaine on it, and you tried to, you know, come up with it. I don't even know what Drefontaine is. I feel like that's like, oh goodness, Just... I feel like it's a plastic bottle. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's a fantastic, unbelievable uh, brewery, or so I'm told uh, by the beer advocate folks. But uh, and and Google and the world. <laughs> oh wait, of, that was a beer? beer. Yeah, a Drefontaine beer. Yeah, Drefontaine. I don't even know what that was. You wanted that for some like Fox Farm or or like whiskey? Yes. Oh, yes. you wanted a bottle yes. of whiskey is what you wanted. No, no, no. yeah, you, I want a bottle. Of, I, I didn't want a bottle of whiskey. You tried to give me that bottle of whiskey. I was not about that shit. I want Fox Farm. That's what I want. All right. But. You know what? Maybe, maybe I'll make the trip out this week. We'll All right. But anyway, peace out, everybody. Peace out.